because that's what that's what I get from a lot of these political shows, the the sociopaths, the criminals, the 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 ones doing the backdoor deals, the ones ordering the assassinations are the ones who are the most impactful. everyone this is alex and this is M. welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is the podcast for tv lovers and movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and which is a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and do a bit of rewriting where necessary for much more exclusive content become a show producer on patreon and get access to after the episode outtakes curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash good bad basic. Please be sure to join the tiers marked new. Today we'll be discussing the highs and lows of the grandfather of all political dramas, NBC's The West Wing. This series is still lauded as one of the greatest, most inspirational TV shows of all times by various publications, including Time Magazine and TV Guide. The West Wing was also ranked number 10 on the Writers Guilds of America's 101 Best Written TV Series list. So what did two Black millennials think of this series? How did it measure up to all the hype? Stay tuned. All right, everyone. So The West Wing is a serial drama and a political drama created by Aaron Sorkin. It aired on NBC from September 22nd, 1999 until May 14th, 2006. It lasted seven seasons and 156 episodes. 154 of those were just your regular episodes and two were special episodes filmed almost documentary style. The show starred Martin Sheen as Jodiah Bartlett, a.k.a. Jed. He is the president of the United States. John Spencer as Leo McGarry. Bradley Whitford as Josh Lyman. Richard Schiff as Toby Ziegler. Rob Lowe as Sam Seaborn. Allison Janey as C.J. Craig. Dulé Hill as Charlie Young. Janelle Maloney as Donna Moss, Stalker Channing as Abby Bartlett, the First Lady of the United States, Moira Kelly as Mandy Hampton, Joshua Molina as Will Bailey, and Jimmy Smits as Matt Santos. These are all our major players. These are the people that we'll see the most of for all the seven seasons. So let's go back to Alex's last question. How did this show measure up to all the hype? <laughs> Girl, when you wrote that, when it when I read that, like, it's on, like, the Writers Guild of America's 101 Best Written TV Series, I was like, I know some white people came up with that shit. Like, girl, it's not even on the list. It's not just on the list. It's number 10. I hate it. <laughs> That's so upsetting. 
I was like, like really? Where? <laughs> so, mm. something that was interesting about this show was this is a, the, the like one of the earliest shows we have ever reviewed. Um, no, this includes even. Gone Too Soon as well because it started in 1999. Well, no, because Buffy started in 98. Right, right, right. No, you're right. You're right. So this is after Buffy. This is the earliest show we've ever reviewed. But unlike Buffy, it feels as old as it is. <laughs> it, it really does. Oh, God. Baby, I was distraught (laughs) a little bit. I was so distraught. (laughs) I was distraught a little bit, like a tiny little bit. Because like like we said, we did Buffy and we've done Dawson's Creek. And Dawson's Creek and Buffy came out at the same time. Both sort of premiered in in 98. And um, we're also going to do My So-Called Life, right? And My (laughs) So-Called Life is... Um, that came out in 94, 95. Five, yeah. That's also really early, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which, watching it so far, like, I'm almost, I think I have one more episode. It's like, yeah, like, it's cute. Like, I get it. Um, and I, I like it's it. It's relatable. Like, change yeah. your clothing. Change your clothing. Change, obviously, the way that, not the way the show is shot, but, like, um, on what equipment it's shot, because it's not shot on digital, obviously. Right. And, It'll be completely relatable to this current generation, I feel. It is. It definitely hones in on those, like, thematic teenage, you know, things that we all sort of struggle with in our teen years. Um, it's it's very timeless in that way. But, like, woo, baby! <laughs> so, like, so <laughs> this West Wing show. And um, I'm sure people see that, like, there is no West Wing part one. <laughs> we usually do for like shows of this length that have like all these seasons. Cause we go through all the seasons, baby. No, I'm sorry. y'all. <laughs> like yeah, if y'all I hate really, to do it, but no, nah. no, nah, like uh, if y'all love, if y'all really love the West Wing and y'all are like, I waited this moment, like for the, for Alex and M to talk about the West Wing, baby, there's a whole podcast. There's a podcast called the West Wing weekly. And it's hosted. It's it's apparently it's extremely popular. It's much more popular than this one, and it's hosted by the person who was actually on the show. And they're going through every single solitary episode of every single solitary season, and you can get your life from that because <laughs> it won't be here. Yeah, um, everything ain't for everybody. That's what I got out of this. <laughs> my viewing of the West Wing. So. I talked about how this show was like got a lot of critical praise. Writers Guild ranked it number 10 on their best written TV series list, Time and TV Guide, but also Empire, Rolling Stone, and New York Daily News gave it glowing reviews I'm sure throughout its run. Um it, it was praised for its analysis of political science, um, and the way that it viewed and former White House staffers, um, um, being placed under a critical lens through the show. The show didn't just receive Golden Globe nominations and awards, but also Emmy nominations, Peabody Awards, you name it, you name whatever um, illustrious clout-making award uh, critique review, this show had it. But, like, I'm watching the show, girl, I'm watching the show and I'm like, this show is dry as fuck it's dry as fuck 
Like, I don't know how anybody... And it's not... And it's... And and like you, I was like, oh, I, I thought, well, like, maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I don't... Because I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm just, you know, I'm just... I'm too, you know, snippy for my generation. And I'm just, like, a millennial. And I don't like anything that's smart or interesting. But I'm like, mm. But I thought about some shows we've reviewed before, and I'm like, no, like, we were, I, I'm like, no, because I I managed to, like, watch a lot of stuff and see the value in it, and I don't think that's it. I think this is just a badly written series. Like, it's just old. It's old, it's white. Like, it's old, it's white, and it's clearly written by a self-important white man. Like, I hear it in the dialogue. Speaking of self-important... <laughs> The reason why you hear the creator Aaron Sorkin's voice ring so loudly in the dialogue is because Aaron Sorkin either wrote the story or the teleplay for every single episode. Every single episode. I believe it. Like, I believe it. And I, it's interesting because it's like Aaron Sorkin is sort of like a giant of like television and he's like this very like clout-driven, renowned, like, name, and, and like, he's, he, I mean, I guess shout out to his hubris, because <laughs> it's taken him, like, to that height, but I, like, there's, no, it's interesting, though, like, it's such an inspiring show, there's nothing about this show that's inspiring. Right. I mean, I will be the first to say that political shows are not my cup of tea. We went into this season with me expressing that, um, would I watch any of these shows again? Um, the Good Wife, probably, because I actually do like legal procedurals. Um, and um, the show had just so much more going on other than politics. Um, I would never watch House of Cards again, for example. Um, there's a lot of things about the show that don't sit with me personally. But other than that last season, I cannot say that that's a bad show. I can't. I can't Same. say that's I can't badly say that written. That's a bad show. Like, I think there are things I wish they would have done better. But like, same. I don't think it's a bad, badly written show. Like, I think it, I think it achieves all the things it wanted to achieve. Like, you know, right now, you know, fast forward to the West Wing. This show failed to pique my interest and capture my attention consistently. Consistently, <laughs> like. Uh, consistently. And that's the thing. Like, I actually think I probably would rewatch House of Cards. Mostly because, like, I think there is other stuff going on with it that maybe, like, I missed the first time that I'd be interested in in thinking about again. But, um, it's just, like, the West Wing is just, like, ugh. Like, and I remember, like, I watched the pilot. It was boring. I was like, okay, well, like, you know, it's from 98. It's going to take a minute. It's going to take a minute for it to, like, get there. But then then I'm like deep into season two and I'm like, I guess it's just not going to get there. (laughs) It's just not going to get there. Um, You know, and I told myself a lot of things. I was like hella gaslighting myself when I was watching this show, actually. Like, maybe it's just not for me. Maybe it's written for an older demographic and maybe that's what it is. You know, this is the kind of TV that they're used to. But like, I grew up watching shows like Little House on the Prairie and The Waltons on Syndicate. And I still love those shows. And they're much older than The West Wing. Right. Um, yeah. So 
I don't know. Like, and I get it. Like, people love this. Like, people, people really, really love this show. Like, they really, really love it. Like, there are a lot of people who, like, love this show. I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> like, if anybody right. who listens to us regularly loves this show, please get back to us <laughs> about what it is. I'm right. trying to, I'm trying to find it. Like, um, like, do I prefer this over the, the, the AP government class I took in high school? Sure. Yes. But, <laughs> but, but no, fam, keep it. Keep it. Um, but with all that said, I will say I do see it's influ. I mean, and I guess like a credit to, I guess the giantness of it, like, and like, and beyond me feeling that all the characters are just this white man that's like preaching all his opinions at me and most importantly preaching about why all his opinions are the right opinions at me through through these characters um i will say like it 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 taught all these girls it's it's influences is large and wide once i watched it i was like oh i get it now like i understood like even the writing style like I, although, like, I don't like this writing style of, like, clearly of, like, the characters, like, like, there's no, st- I feel like there's no actual story happening. It's just, like, the characters being, like, like, it's just, like, um, the characters are just a conduit for, like, the writers to, like, tell me their opinions about life. And it doesn't even feel like they're really speaking, like, that kind of style. Because it is, like, a very specific style. Like, when CJ or somebody is, like, oh, do you expect, like, racial relations to be solved in a day in America? Well, this is why they can't be solved, because da 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 And then in 1970, da 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 Like, that style? Oh, my God, so many other shows do that. Like, it taught me. Gilmore Girls did it. Gilmore Girls did it. I think Scandal's done it a couple times. Like, it's you see it a lot, and it's not just on political shows, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like, shows we reviewed have this exact same writing style. I think uh, so many... And I and that's why I don't say, like... And that's why I sort of want to retract. I'm like, um, white people love this show. I think people just really love this show. Because this that type of style of, like, I'm talking... Uh, that I just mentioned. Like, there are a lot of black shows that, like, write exactly like that. Insecure is a lot like this. Mm-hmm. Um, Boomerang is a lot like this. Uh, dear white people is a lot like this. Um, survivors remorse, survivors remorse is a lot like this. So like that particular like like writing style of just sort of like just sort of uh, like for like placing an emphasis on like talk like having the character talk about a specific thing that's really just your opinion versus like integrating it like in story and having it play out in in story and action it's, it's mm-hmm. i mean it's it's definitely like a way of of writing and it's something that is heralded and and um respected and and used right i don't have a problem with that writing style i actually quite enjoy it i do like the writing style where points are integrated into the plot as well. I I like both. I really don't have a preference. My issue with the West Wing isn't even the writing style. It's what's being said in the dialogue in and of itself. Oh, it's so like, boring, you guys. It's so boring. <laughs> like you can like it's it's like for me it's like 
you know, Aaron Sorkin obviously is like OG writer. He's been writing since he was 22, plays, um, TV shows, you name it. The writing style is fine. Anyone can teach you a technique, right? Take, take a creative writing class, learn a technique. It's his voice that I don't like. I don't like what he has to say. It doesn't resonate with me. Right. I mean, well, well, so then it's me. Like, it was a two, like, I already don't like that writing style. And then, like, it was also, yeah, just, like, his voice, what he had to say was, like, also not, like, it for me. So it was just, like, a two-punch. It was, like, a one-two punch for me. I was like, oh, wow, we're really doing this. This is happening. But, girl, they didn't give a fuck what we had to say or think about it. Because the first season alone was nominated for 18 Emmy Awards and won nine of them. I hate nine. It. This, like, they were sweeping the enemies, uh, the, the Emmys in the year 2000 for that first season. Because, um, yeah, they debuted in, at the end of 1999. So they won Emmys for Outstanding Drama. Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series that went to Robert Shift. Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Drama Series that went to Allison Janey. Outstanding Writing in a Drama Series that went to Aaron Sorkin and Rick Cleveland for Episode 10 in Excelsis Deo. Outstanding Directing for a Drama Series that went to Thomas Schlamm for The Pilot. Uh, outstanding main title theme song that went to WG Snuffy Walden. Outstanding cinematography for a single camera series that went to Thomas Del De Ruth, who also received a nomination from the American Society of Cinematographers that year. Um, outstanding art direction for a single camera series and outstanding casting. Mm. Let's talk about that last one. Because the casting on the show is, I think, part of what started the snowball effect of the West Wing becoming a big show. The West Wing had some big names behind it when it aired. And I think that was like the secret sauce. Now, people only care that you're, you're, the people you cast look like these characters and are good actors. Back then, there was a certain amount of clout with both film and TV actors, right? You get certain people on your project, that's half the battle. <laughs> Right. I mean, there's like every single, you know, The West Wing is one of those shows that has the advantage of like, I mean, in terms of age that like every single like important person has like, you know, sort of been on the show. Right. Like there's so many, um, there's so many heavy hitters, like you couldn't really name any, you couldn't n not name any, but you couldn't name them all. Mm -hmm. exactly we we and it's not just the main cast that we talked about it's supporting actors and um guest act, guest actors as well everybody that you like on tv has probably been on the west wing at least once right doing something um i will say that the west wing feels at least like scandal made more sense to me after i watched the west wing i was like oh so like somebody was like when they when Shonda created Scandal, she's like, ooh, West Wing, but make it drama. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Um, I think she was trying to make, like, the West Wing, but, like, the soap opera version of the West Wing. Version. Listen, no, listen, don't call Shonda's thing soaps. You know she doesn't like that. Mm, okay. Uh, um, we're going... <clears throat> the West Wing, but make it daytime television reminiscent. I hate that. Go home. That's so rude. <laughs> um, but like, that's really what it, it's like. It's like, and as much as we talked about how scandal was 
off the rails and doing the most. It did. It was pretty consistently entertaining. I'm gonna be real. I would I would take that over the West Wing. I'll yeah, be very like honest if, with you. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't like. I don't know that I'm 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 here for like either. But if like a gun to my head, somebody was like, pick scandal, like scandal of the West Wing to watch for the rest of your life, and that's it. Like I'm picking scandal. Yeah, girl, I can't do this. Like, I feel like if 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 I had to watch this show again, especially if I were forced to, that's like a form of torture. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would not be. I would not be okay. I'd be like, wow, like you. Oh my gosh, I hate it. I hate it. Like it was. Ha- it was so hard to get through. <laughs> I was it was like, really hard. Um, and don't ask me what happened. Like. You know how, like, when you, when something really traumatic, you just block it from your brain? Right. Like, no, that, that's me too. Or, or, like, when you, like, when the when depression hits, like, you just forget that whole week that, like, you were feeling really, really terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the West Wing for me. <laughs> like, you know what? I will say, like, it was really great ASMR, like, if you turned it down really low. <laughs> Turn the show down low. <laughs> like, I could really, I was like, oh, yes, this is like, there are part, like, because of how the dialogue is spoken, and it's like, and they all speak super fast, and like, they're like, is the, is the, I don't know, like, the president has to be at the Russian summit this year. Are the Russians, like, because of that and then, like, the low volume, it did, like, sort of make, like, a really soothing white noise to fall asleep to. Like, so I will say shout out. Gotta find that silver lining, fam. So shout out, shout out to it, like, with regards to that. So the first season of Scandal, we come into the Bartlett administration in its second year. They're having trouble settling in. Girl, you see where my mind is at? I'm not even thinking about this show, really. Cut that part out. (laughs) So, the first (laughs) season of The West Wing. (laughs) The first season of The West Wing. Yeah, the first season of The West Wing, we come into the Bartlett administration in its second year, which is something that Scandal did as well. When we come into that first season, Fitz is already in office. And the Bartlett administration is still having trouble making progress and settling in and, like, really dealing with legislative issues. Um, and this it, this is resolved in the episode Let Bartlett Be Bartlett. Um and um, where Leo and President Bartlett come to a certain agreement. Um, it ends on a cliffhanger with an assassination attempt, which is something that Scandal did too mid-season on one of its seasons. Um, but if I thought season one was bad, season two t- took me for a loop. So Alex and I have made our feelings about using flashbacks not just once in a while, but as like your main storytelling device. Um, like neither of us really like that. But season two, um, so season two, Aaron Sorkin really wanted to make the entire season flashbacks. Thankfully, because of the show's budget and logistical demands, he couldn't do that. But you see the desire to do that in all 22 of the episodes. Mm. 
like fam the the level of creative control that he had on this show like i don't know if he's like super controlling genius or both because the show did not stop racking up the awards you guys it never stopped winning i just no part of me understood to be honest i was just like oh okay that's that's crazy <laughs> if I like anything from this show, it's that when a white man is this controlling over his projects, people will say he's a genius. Let a black woman have done this on her show. Like I created the show and I'm gonna write every episode. Try that shit. Try it, sis. Right. I mean, people even yeah, like right, because they would I mean, I don't even know if that would happen. They she would be like branded as like a crazy person. <laughs> Right. No, you're no. She'd be a controlling, angry bitch. Like they don't mince words with us. You know that. <laughs> they don't mince words with us. But I mean, Aaron Sorkin has a great education. Went to Syracuse, Syracuse University. He's been writing for a very long time. He's 58 now. He's been writing since he was like 22 professionally, and he has a a very strong interest in anything legal and political. Um, he's written plays for Broadway, like a few good men and the, the, the adaptation of to kill a mockingbird. Um, and his series before the sports night is also a series that white people, especially older white people really love. He did the newsroom as well, which white people really, really love. And the, the film films like Charlie Wilson's war and Moneyball, which white people really love. love. Listen, he knows what his people like. Like, if 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 Aaron, if I can give Aaron Sorkin props for anything, is that he knows what white men want to watch. He knows what white men. Listen, you have to know your target demographic, and Perfect. he knows his people. <laughs> He's like, white men are gonna love this, like, and they do. Listen, He's they really do. into what his people want. Aaron Sorkin has read the room. <laughs> He does. You know what? I will say, like, in gratitude, because I'm always, you know, I always, these days, I'm really trying to keep it positive, try to find the silver linings, try to try to always bring in positivity, trying to learn something from each situation. I guess, like, in, in summation, um, what I learned is that, like, if I ever want to, like, appeal to white men, I just need to look through Aaron Sorkin's catalog and just put that shit in there. You know what I mean? Put that shit in whatever I'm writing. And white men are going to love that shit. Right. Are you making shows? Aaron Sorkin. Are you making movies? James Cameron. Right. <laughs> and white people are going to love it. White people are going to be like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Or, or even better, put put some random white dude's name as your like your writing name, your pen name, and let the accolades come in before you reveal that you're a black woman. Because sometimes I'll hate shit just because a black person is behind it without giving it a chance. No, because like I mean, I know myself. I would write like something dramatic or some like something, but like you know, all the all the the just you know just the tone of it. The make sure it has that sort of money ball. West Wing essence of like, mm-hmm. and you know, make sure that 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 works. Right. Look at your growth, girl. Growth. <laughs> so in season two, which was also very long, twenty-two episodes, President Bartlett is suffering from multiple sclerosis, which I think was the show's way of of doing kind of like a callback to President Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Um, For those who are not aware, President Roosevelt um, had very debilitating polio um, in the middle of his term, one of his terms. And 
um, when we do political shows, no one has really talked about a president who had like a chronic illness. And I thought Aaron Sorkin was trying to call back to that and remind us that we have had leaders that have had serious medical problems before. At least that's how I interpreted it. I cannot be sure, but I know that Aaron Sorkin is heavy into not just political fiction, but political science as like an area of study. Um, the really cool thing that happened in season one is that Moira Kelly left the show. Why is this a really cool thing? Because then she was free to go to One Tree Hill. Yay. Go by. <laughs> so Moira Kelly, if you guys uh, don't remember, she played um, uh, Karen, Lucas Scott's mother, on One Tree Hill and was like a major supporting character on that show and lasted eight seasons on a much more en enjoyable series. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm always glad when people leave a show and then like they go right into a new job. Stay working, Moira. Keep working. <laughs> Happy for her. Happy for her. And and listen, The West Wing is a show that has a lot of strong actors. You can say a lot of things about the show, but you can't say anything about the cast. These are strong people, and a lot of them are still acting heavily now, and were acting heavily prior to the show. Jimmy Smith's powerful, and we'll talk I know, about him. Oh, right, Joshua Molina, who was, ironically enough, he was on Scandal. Um, uh -huh. um, Stalker Channing and um, and uh, Bradley Bradley Whitford, um, Rob Lowe, and um, what's his face. Uh, Martin Sheen, they all had very, very strong um, um, movie careers prior to this. They were all A-list actors, right? So you got these A-listers and you managed to get them on your show. Like, people will, will stand up and they will pay attention. And I think that, like I said, I, I, I stand on the hill of that was half the battle. He came in at the right time to the right target audience. Right. Um... Right, and the characters are something, I, at least when, like, I think there are discussions of the, the West Wing, like, people always come to, people always come back to, like, the characters, I love the characters. I don't, and I think, and I, and when you, and when I watched it, I was like, these people don't have real personalities. Um, they just don't. Like, I'm sorry, that's not there in the writing, but, like, the actors do give them real personalities. Like, they these like these characters come to life. I'm and I'm and me personally, I'm giving sole credit to like the actors, like via the actors, like each actor sort of bringing their own um, like essence and spin to eat to to the dialogue to sort of like lift it and make choices and and thus we have these characters because like I think when I just watch it and like you're listening to the dialogue like. They all sound like, not even just like speech pattern, but like the way they talk and how they talk is so clearly like written by one person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's what it was. Like, even if on episodes where it will be story by someone other than Aaron Sorkin, the teleplay will always be written by Aaron Sorkin. The amount of creative control there is claustrophobic of course it's gonna sound like it was only written by one person person because in essence it was right like nobody really like nobody and and i guess like the actions like you look for 
And I, I don't know. I, there's just like a, there's a, there's a, there's a stasis. There's a type of stasis to the whole show or like that feels like, like everyone is sort of in stasis. Even when characters like move on and do other things and like go into different places, it never, it still feels like they're the same person that they were from like season one, mm-hmm. which is something I think is a bad thing. I want to feel like my character is like is like grown or like changed in some way from mm-hmm. season to season. Um and in the shows that we've reviewed that that do this, I think Dawson's Creek does this. I think Buffy absolutely do- Buffy absolutely does this. Um good the good wife does this. Like yes, obviously like their core of who they are is the same, but they they are going through like different changes and they become different people by the end mm-hmm. of the series. And I never feel like the West Wing does this. I feel like the Josh in season seven is the same ass Josh in season one. Right, right, right. Um, I agree with that. And I mean, I've even seen shows do it on a much smaller scale. Survivor's Remorse, for example, with the Cassie character goes through a lot of personal growth after the death of her brother Julius and basically, you know, coming to terms with her sexual assault and her relationship with her daughter, M. Chuck, right? Um, and like we have huge growth in regards to her relationship with Chen. Um, even on a show like Malcolm in the Middle, which was a family. We see the growth of Malcolm and his brothers from season one to season seven. Um, I think the How character is the character that grows the least. We even see really great positive changes in the mom, Lois, as the children get older, right? But you're right. I don't see that in the West Wing. Things happen to these characters, but I don't feel like um, these things are impactful to their character or to their decision-making process. Um, Yeah, at all. all. Like, I think it's like, like, you would think, particularly after, like, the assassination attempt, you would think that everybody would, like, be changed in a in a very fundamental way. But, like, no, everybody just kind of goes back to work. Everyone's like, yeah, this is what we're doing. Yeah, they're like, fam, did we almost die? Anyway, um, you have a staffer's meeting at two. <laughs> right. Um, Which is, like, yes, but at the same time, like, no, that's not really how, like, life or, or people work. Right. But despite all that we've just said, the show won, I said it won nine Emmys for that first season alone. It won a total of 26 Emmys over seven years. Four of those were for Outstanding Drama, which it won four consecutive times. Crazy. Uh, (laughs) Oh, this is a lot. This is a lot. Um, Wow. Um, So... Aaron Sorkin was also showrunner for the first four seasons. Surprise, surprise. Um, But he kept on writing, kept on writing for the show. And I have to retract my earlier statement saying that he wrote or co-wrote every single episode. Um, He wrote... (laughs) um, For for that fourth season, he only wrote 85... um, Excuse me, excuse me, no, no, no. Excuse me, for those first four seasons, he only wrote 85 of the 88 episodes. (laughs) Oh, okay. So, like, here and there, like, there's three episodes in the first four seasons that he didn't write. And even as, after he left um, as showrunner, he was still, like, writing for the show. So, um, the show understood its demographic. 
Um, so it says here, and I absolutely believe this, the show was most popular among high income viewers, which was key to its advertisement base. So basically upper middle class and wealthy people, wealthy white people loved the West Wing more than any other group of people. I believe that I, I, cause I don't know who else this appeals to. Like truly there's nothing here that's like, um, it's just, it's just there. This show is just so there. Like I really, I feel guilty cause I really don't have a lot to say about the show. I don't mm-hmm. like, I, it's like, it's, clearly like a cultural artifact and I see the value in it and um I see like how it's heavily like influenced a lot of other shows like beyond even just like political dramas but like it is not like anything that I I mean it's just nothing here that I like or 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 um like like that I that I think um I, it's just there's nothing here that I like or that I value, like, or that I find or that I think is the most valuable thing. It's just so clearly like not my demographic at all. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I remember watching this show. I'm like, white people like this, but when I read that it was most popular among high income viewers, everything clicked into place because I I legitimately couldn't imagine poor white people sitting through the show either. Right, and it's not even that like. I'm not interested in something that doesn't like relate to my experience. It's just like, it's, I, I think the show's legitimately boring. <laughs> like I don't like, there's nothing. Cause like you um, cause like you said, like good wife works because yes, it's a political drama, but there's a legal procedural element to it. But there's also so much going on on that show in terms of like what that show is thinking about that is beyond this sphere. Um, House of Cards works because House of Cards is also super interested in the site. House of Cards is interested in something like deeper. It's interested in, it's not, even though like House of Cards to me, like at times does feel like a civic civics lesson. It does it in a way, once again, that like, it's not just the characters aren't just like parroting to me about like, this is what happens in government. Like the characters aren't just parroting, you know, this is what happens in government. It's, it also uses story and like the development of story to like teach me about, yes, this is what happens in government. Um, And also House of Cards is very interested in the psychology of the types of people who um, are politicians and it's interested in, a, I think, a very specific psychology of of Frank and Claire. Like, Frank and Claire feel very um, different and complete to me when I watch it. The West Wing just feels like... I, the West Wing is... I think this is it. Like, the West Wing just is about, like, the surface and what's just on... And, like, it's all surface. And that is just something that's completely uninter- uninteresting to me. Right. Um, it's it's interesting to me because um, I, I agree with that. I agree that House of Cards had probably 
House of Cards and The Good Wife, of all the shows on this political season, have had characters with the most fully actualized, consistent personalities. Yes? Right. Um, And Scandal, even though everybody was all over the place, they still felt like real people. Um, I feel like The West Wing was really like my AP government textbook come to life. Um, And the reason why I say this, um, instead of I say come to life rather than being acted out was because I felt that House of Cards acted it out. House of Cards taught me a lot about government and how laws um, and bills come to pass without me feeling like I was in a classroom. (laughs) Right. Like, um, exactly. It just feels like, I mean, and listen, shout out to getting a budget to, I mean, however much money was spent on this show to do that. Like you did that, but I I don't know that basically what I'm saying is like AP government teachers, let your kids watch this show when you don't feel like having a lesson plan. It's basically the same thing. It's the same thing, baby. Like, and you know what? They'll appreciate it because the things that you see and the things that you can engage in conversation about are are much more likely to be remembered than the things in your book. Right. I would say that the West Wing is an excellent, excellent like supplement teaching tool because Absolutely. truly nothing nothing really happens on this show. Right. Um, nothing happens. Nobody changes and develops. Nobody grows. The actors deliver these dry ass lines so much better than I ever could. So shout out to the entire cast. Shout out to the casting directors. Um, you did that. <laughs> you did. You did that. And the show is is shot fine. The cinematography is fine. Um, like it's hard to 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 say that the cinematography is good when even that isn't enough to pull me in. You understand? But it's fine. It did. They did what they had to do as well. The directors and cinematographers did what they had to do. Right. Um, I think one thing, I guess, like, and then another thing that struck me about the show is, like, something that I did take away from it was it's interesting that we've been, because this show is, like, in 99, right? So Mm -hmm. um, 99 to 2010 and then, like, 2020 to now, it's interesting that for the past 20 years, we've been complaining about the same fucking shit like in politics i will say that i was like wow that's crazy like in 20 years like we just have done nothing because the same shit like that i think that the characters complain about or like that aaron sorkin is like you know parroting to me through in this dialogue of like healthcare is not reasonable in this country which is true it's it's not reasonable i'm like wow 20 years we've been saying that and Actual Washington politicians are like, oh, girl, you know, I don't care. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, that was, like, that to me was um, hilarious in a very dark, sinister, like, in a very, like, dark humor type of way. Right. But I want to touch on a point you made earlier about, you know, the House of Cards giving us an analysis of the types of people that go into politics. What I thought was super interesting was that in House of Cards, say what you will about Frank Underwood and Claire Underwood, but at the end of the day, they get shit done. 
They have a list of objectives and it's going to get done. Is it getting done because they are sociopaths? Absolutely. Juxtapose that to President Bartlett on the West Wing, who is not. And he doesn't really get that much done. He doesn't get things done. And he's like, (laughs) he's, and it's hard because like, but I think that's like, it's supposed to be like the part that's like inspiring about him that he would rather not do something than I think go against his beliefs. Which, in one sense, sure. Yeah. <laughs> in another sense, no. <laughs> like, so I, I I, feel for him in that regard. I mean, it makes me respect him, but there's literally nothing inspirational by showing us over and over again that being a good person means that you will never make an impact. Um because that's what that's what I get from a lot of these political shows, the the sociopaths, the criminals, the 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 ones doing the backdoor deals, the ones ordering the assassinations are the ones who are the most impactful. That's true. That's that's a good point, and I'd like to see because st- I think there are stories about people. And I guess this is bringing me back to the conversation we had with Essie and Sarah, because that that and um, over at Bitches on Comics, because I wish there were more stories of like people who genuinely wanted to do good things and were interested in the common good and interested in being heroes, but like, um, but like got stuff done. In that way. And and I don't think it has to be... They don't have to be sociopathic. They just understand that, like, people are evil and they suck. And that, like, sometimes, like, a war consigliere is necessary. And then you do that thing and then they let power go. Like, I would like to see a story like that. Because I think there are people like that in the world. I think there have been a lot of people like that in the world. Right. I mean, and even if there never have been... It's fiction. Right. Just write it. Like, just it, write it, it's it. not a documentary. Just write it. I'm just so tired of po- political shows that, that that reinforce the message that nice guys finish last. Um, right. Or that nice guys lose. <laughs> right. Because that is not, that's not the energy we need in 2020. <laughs> like. Right. We never needed it, but, like, we need it even less right now. Less right now. Um, we want good people who do good things and who want good things done and and do them Um, because they understand uh, what that means and the cost. You know what? I'm really thinking about that now and you're so right. Like, because anytime we see that type of a person or we see that, I think that image of like a good person doing thing like getting things done even though there's like a significant cost it's always within like a bad context right like it's always within the context of like war or like some sort of imperial american imperialist notion right, right. we never see that kind of character that kind of story playing out like in a domestic space and against like maybe like the evils of the state Right. And I think that's what stood out to me the most about the President Bartlett character. And it's specifically because, you know, we watched House of Cards prior. Um, You know, President Bartlett is a man with the noblest intentions. 
He takes his job seriously and he really cares about his country and his people, not just pushing through specific agendas that are like pet projects to him. Um, but, but he's not ordering assassinations. Um, he's not throwing girls in front of a train. He's not pushing women downstairs. So, (laughs) (laughs) so like, it's right. So what value is he? exactly so like sucks to be you fam but if you're not ready to get your but basically that's what political shows teach us if you're not ready to get your hands bloody why are you here you're not gonna make right. a difference difference and you know how we can cure this we can get that shirley chisholm biopic yes can we have it um because shirley chisholm is also somebody that i think about when i think about somebody who got things done and wasn't afraid to be like super aggressive Mm-hmm. Um, or, and wasn't afraid to sort of trade on, uh, just somebody who was, just somebody who was active, who got things done and who, and who used her sort of wits and her smarts to like outsmart everybody around her and still get what she needed to do, even though people were actively like against her the whole time. Right, right. I think the closest we've come to that in modern day would probably be Maxine Waters. Um, I really don't see a lot of politicians that are okay with being disliked even by their own party anymore. Everybody wants to toe the party line. They really don't care what their constituents think of them as long as they have the party support. Right. Because, I mean, that's what we're... And it's so fitting that we say all of this on Super Tuesday. Um <laughs> Cause that's sort of, that's sort of the, the, the rub is like, they want to, you know, people are like, Hey, people, the, the people want something and they're just like, well, screw you. Like I need my party support. I need to make sure that like people in my party are like rich donors or are the people that I cater to and listen to the most, which is something right. that funny enough, the West Wing talks about. So here we are. We're, we're coming full circle. Full circle. I mean, I have to hand it to the man. Aaron Sorkin's level of creative control was a bit pathological, but he left no stone unturned when he talked about the ins and outs of a, a presidential administration. No stone unturned. Right. He... Like, it's it's it did what it had to do. Um, honestly, he never he never he never he. I, I I think he did a good job of not putting this in rose rose colored glasses. Let's say that. Oh well, I would say that like, I think the show is very much about like. Like I will say, the West Wing is very idealistic. It's like it is like sort of rose colored glass. It is like glassy in that way because everybody on the show is like a quote unquote like a good person. Um. But I I just don't know that any of it, it just did not hit the way it, he wanted it to. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, and I, I, I have to keep putting that disclaimer for us. <laughs> for us, it did not hit the way that he intended it to. For a lot of people, that shit didn't just hit, it smacked. Right, like it slapped. Like for for mostly everybody else, like it slapped. They loved it. This was this was their jam. This was it for so, them. So if you're a West Wing fan, 
Please don't take our opinions super seriously. Like, I'm not sorry. This is the way that I feel. And you're totally allowed to love the show. Keep on loving the show. Go ahead and listen to that West Wing um, podcast. What is it called again? The West... Oh, girl. Hold up. The West Wing Weekly. There you go. Get your fix over there. Everything isn't for everybody. It is what it is. Live your best life. Um... I can't. I can't with this show. I will. I'm not gonna watch the show again. Never. I will never. Although I, I, I respect it though. I respect it. I have a lot of respect for it. But I will never watch the show ever again. Um, it was it, a struggle for me just to like, like pay attention to what was going on several times. Same. I'm like, don't struggle. I struggled this show and like listen when this show gets started about like race and stuff it's worse like I'm just like oh god like the all those I skipped those episodes I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna front I was just like and skip oh yeah um (laughs) those were those were a little bit worse than the ones on the good wife which we were in agreement were not that good not that yeah these were like definitively worse and I think what make and I think part of what makes the race like the race episodes on the West Wing why it was like particularly like funny once again like in a in a dark humor sort of way is because like when it comes to like the Jewish characters like <laughs> they're like yeah like it's so like oh like you know it, there's all this empathy and like thinking and like there's all this empathy and. And, like, oh, reparations must be made and, like, all this care for, like, the, the Jewish members. But then when it's, 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 but then when the episode's, like, about, like, black people are, like, black people have suffered in this way. They're, like, I don't know what those, these Negroes want. Like, <laughs> and it's, like, right, right. here we go. Like, here we go. Always glad to see this dichotomy. Always glad to see it. Um, right, and it's just about who you consider human and who you consider not to be human, not right? To be human, yeah. Um, white Jews are considered humans, and black people are not. Are um, not. On a related note, the German government actually does give reparations to victims of the Holocaust and their families. So, yeah, because there's like a the West Wing does have like a whole reparations episode. Um, <laughs> uh, so featuring uh this actor he's such a great actor he's on supergirl right now but um i can't remember his name he's he's an og like you know his face when you see it um the black guy uh he and he's had like a recurring role in get episodes but yeah he's like yeah this is why you should have reparations and the <laughs> and the guy <laughs> the jewish character is like you think i should get reparations i'm a jew <laughs> and i'm like what like in a way that's like really accusatory he's like i'm jewish and i'm not asking for reparations why do you feel that you should get them i'm just like like, sir this ain't about you if you don't want reparations it's cool you can go sit over there you can you say sir this is a wendy's like (laughs) (laughs) listen um people keep trying to go to chick-fil-a on a sunday anyway (laughs) honestly but um anyway and but that's that's the West Wing. Those things, it's a fine show. I think, I think you should absolutely, because I'm a big believer in, um, 
even if you don't, even if you don't like something, I'm a big believer in always like looking at it and observing it. Um, because I think there's always something to be learned, particularly when something is like a cultural artifact in the way that the West Wing is. And it's a piece of like, I think important television history, um, in the way that it is, I think you should still check it out, check out a couple of episodes, um, I would skip around. I would not try to watch this in order. I don't think it's worth that. But um, skipping around and and sort of looking at it and, you know, being like, hey. So you could at least, you know, talk about it uh, and have a frame of, like, working knowledge about the show. Right, right. And like I said, when it comes to technical skill, Aaron Sorkin is a good writer. Like He understands how to write. There's things to be learned. Um, he somehow made a show where characters don't change and grow, and that shit lasted over a hundred episodes, over 150 episodes. Was a hit. Um, if you are writing a pilot right now, write your shit, put it out there, because timing and your target audience really are everything. They really are, truly and honestly. Um... And there you have it, folks. These are our unfiltered thoughts on the West Wing. Hold on. Sorry, girl. Okay. Mm, you're good. Because um, I was on the, the, the promo for camp. Girl. <laughs> the program for camp. Okay. And there you have it, folks. This is everything that we think made the West Wing good, bad, basic, and totally groundbreaking. If you'd like to check out the series, the West Wing is currently streaming on Netflix. Please let us know your thoughts on this series via our Twitter or Instagram. If you're a GBB patron on our top two tiers, be sure to check out our West Wing Spotify playlist. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. And with that, Season 5, Politics is officially over. Tune in next week when we'll be diving into Season 6, Outlaws, where we'll be covering the excellent TV series featuring characters on the wrong side of the law. We'll be discussing television greats such as Breaking Bad, The Shield, The Sopranos, and kicking things off with the epic crime tragedy, Sons of Anarchy. Our episode covering the first four seasons of the FX original goes live next Thursday, and if you'd like to check out the series before then, Sons of Anarchy is currently streaming on Hulu. In the meantime, Alex and I have another movie review episode for patrons on our top tier. This time we'll be discussing the musical comedy drama Camp. This movie review goes live this Saturday. Follow The Good, The Bad, The Basic on all major podcast platforms to listen to all of our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at The Good Bad Basic on Twitter and at Good Bad Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash good bad basic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone. Man, what a relief. Glad that's over. (laughs) We made it. Let's go. We made it. But yo, did you get my text last night when I was like that time?